0: Some of the people that you, you, don't generally, you generally don't see them on the stage. They're actually people that are in the back, making sure we sound great, making sure there's projections all the time, making sure videos running. So if you see them, you can look back. Those are the guys. And I want you to walk up to them and say hi and love on them because we won't be able to do anything here without them. So I just want to just, just bless them and just honor them. And... And I, I, I don't do this by myself, I have, uh, I'm I madded. <clears throat> I, I have a better half, and her name is Michelle, and uh, woo, yes, yes, that's her. And I wouldn't be able to do what I do today if she's not actually taking care of all the stuff that is happening at home, and she frees me up, she's, she's my best critic, she's my best encourager. She stands by me, she tells me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. Um, I think most of them know by now, 80% of the time, my song list is vetted by Michelle. It goes through her, you make sure that, you know, it, it lines pretty well, you know, all the good stuff that has to happen. So, and then, in 2013, we had Sean. We had this hyper guy, full of life, full of joy. You know, I, I can go into a story where when he was actually delivered in the uh, hospital, I was there, I was so scared. <clears throat> so I was actually standing behind the bed and I was, I was singing the song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You just come and have your way. <clears throat> I'm, a very, um, I'm a very logical mind thinking. So I need to know, I don't understand the word things like how many, so many, You gotta be numbers. You could say five, 10, 15, relative to whatever it is. So the nurse suddenly called me and said, but why don't you cut this umbilical cord? And I'm like, what? Where? And she's like, anywhere. I'm like, what do you mean by anywhere? It doesn't work for me. And she's like, no, just, just cut, just cut. So I cut it. And they took the baby, they cleaned the baby and they gave me Sean into my hands. And I was telling, I, I do tell Sean this quite a bit. I said, I'm the first guy who ever, you know, picked you up. I'm the first guy that said, whispered, I love you to you. And I fell in love with this guy, just like that. And and what i want to talk about is actually the awesomeness of god actually creating a baby it was like amazing i was like i was i was like oh my god but that's not my topic <clears throat> actually today i'm going to talk about actually worship as a lifestyle what it means to actually live a life of worship so i'm going to start, what i'm going to do i'm going to share a few thoughts i'm going to i'm going to share some of the things i've learned through the ways um, and we're going to get there hopefully i'll arrive at that point so let's start with the basics. Everybody know what is the meaning of worship? The English dictionary actually says that something that you are in awe of something. It can be anything. We are actually, create, we human beings are created for worship. So I can be in awe of Michael Jordan, Raptors. I can be in awe of God. I know, I got to bring that name somewhere. So uh, I can be of something. So we, we are created to be in awe of something, right? It depends on who and what are you actually being in awe of. So when you look at the word worship, which can be split into worth and ship. So anything that gives, has value is something that we actually worship. So if you look at Psalms 145.3, David says, "'The great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. "'His greatness no one can fathom.'" Isn't that amazing? And then, um, I don't know if you guys have felt it, English is not my first language. So some of the words that I hear in English uh, when I translate back to my mother tongue, you know, mean, it, it could devalue something that it holds pretty much of high value. And it's, 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 it's what it is, right? So when I looked into the Bible, what does worship actually means when, when it was written? So the, So if there are people that know Hebrew or Greek, I, I, I ask forgiveness because my pronunciation is not gonna, not, not gonna sound like that. Um, the Hebrew word is called shahah, Sha I think it's right, but anyway. I did go through YouTube, and I'm like, how do you pronounce this word? But anyway, okay. It actually means to lay prostrate with face down on the floor in awe of someone. That's the meaning of that. In Hebrew, there's actually three types, three words that they use to describe the word worship. It says, again, proxinino, which is actually used 59 times, which actually means to kiss, to be, to, to be on the floor, to actually be in awe of something. And then something called sebomai, which actually, it doesn't actually imply there was an action with it, it was just actually feeling in awe of something. And another word is called laterio, which means a religious act of actually doing worship. So when you actually look at the Greek word of worship, it actually means that not only that you are in awe of something, there is an action followed by it. So it could be, you know, kneeling down, kissing, on the floor, and that's what the actual Greek word means, actually. So when you actually look at the New Testament, Jesus talks about worship. One of the, one of the uh, profound, to be one of the most profound um, verses that Jesus talked about worship was when he met the Samaritan woman. That is in John 4, 21 to 24. So everybody knows the story. Jesus and his disciples were walking by and he stopped to have some water What his disciples went to get some shawarma or falafel and pita bread and all this good stuff. And uh, since the Samaritan woman comes in, so there's a conversation between both, you know, uh, Jesus talks about being the uh, living waters and talking about like, she suddenly says, your, your ancestors worshiped in Jerusalem. My ancestors worship here at the mountain. And Jesus actually says that the hour is coming and now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The first thing what Jesus does is that he actually delocalizes it. He doesn't say, oh, you have to go to Jerusalem to do this worship. He doesn't say you have to be in this mountain to do worship. He actually says you can be wherever you are as long as you worship God in spirit and in truth. What does it mean like actually worshiping in spirit and in truth? The word truth actually means having a strong theology of who God is, of strong understanding of God's nature, that God is love, God loves us, God takes care of us, our provision is from him, we trust in him. And worshiping spirit is our emotions where the Holy Spirit talks to you, encourages you, and both combined is actually worshiping spirit and truth. He also says God is looking for true worshipers. That implies there could be some kind of a false worship too. So so when you actually worship one without the other, it's dangerous. If you worship just with truth, it's dead, theo- dead theology, or it's, it, it doesn't mean anything, we're just doing it because we want to do it, or we feel good about it, but that's not actually worship. And when you just go the other way around, where there's no theology, and just, just spirit, you have no idea what it is, you're actually worshiping a false god. So having the truth and emotions with the Holy Spirit is actually true worship. So far so good? Well, oh, thank you. It's actually worship. Yes, it helps me, but anyway. So, So worship actually depends on our spiritual or emotional affection of hard grasping the supremacy of who God is. Right? Worship is based on the right understanding of God's nature and right valuing of God's worth, it is God centered at the end of the day. Uh, John Piper. One of his ces, he says that, the inner essence of worship is the response of the heart to the knowledge of the mind, when the mind is rightly understanding God, and the heart is rightly valuing God." The inner essence of worship is the response of the heart to the knowledge of the mind, when the mind is rightly understanding God and the heart is valuing God rightly. The more we get to know Him, the more we want Him. Our outward of worship is what we, inward, what we believe in. Worship is, is not at all external. It's all about internal. Um, when, I, when I became a Christian, or when I got saved, that should be the right word I said. So I got saved when I was in my grade 6th. So I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. I was, I was like, oh my God, for all my sins, he's died for me. And the next thing I could always remember is eternity. And I'm like, oh my God, is he going to come today? Oh my God, is a rapture gonna to happen today? And I lived in that. I, I used to get up in the morning and touch my sister. Oh my God, she's here. Oh God, thank you. The rapture didn't happen. She was very young and I'm like, yes. And I would call my mom in the middle and I'm like, Mom, are you here? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Because I, I know I got saved and that's how I accepted it. And then all I lived was a fear life thinking that I can't move right. I used to close myself, you know, when a, you know, when a movie was playing and things like that. I used to do a lot of funny things, but Anyway, so that was my, that's what happened when I was in grade six. And then I, got, I, I accepted God once again into my life in December 2003, when I actually gave completely lordship of my life. I knew him as a savior. Now I know him as my lord. And I accepted him every part of my life. I said, God, come and change me. If there is something that needs to be broken, break it. I took a year, I took a year break between doing my bachelor's in engineering and masters in engineering and actually spent time in the church. And I said, God, just 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 break me up, right? And my first thing that I volunteered to do in church is cleaning the church. Because we had a hall, it was much bigger. We had to actually clean the entire thing out, mop it, because it is a school, so we had to mop everything out. And every time they played the song, and I always thought the worship meant is singing. So when they say let's call everybody for worship and, and, and I was always my 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 internal thing was is always singing. This is an expression of worship. The music is just an expression of worship. And I think music is one of the best things that God created, so. <clears throat> to me, to me, I'm like, and I, I, I need something, you know, and I'm by myself, I need some music to you know pep me up, but, um, but anyways. So what I want to say that what we do on Sunday, this morning, is an expression of understanding who God is. And when you value that, so your your life, how you talk, how you speak, will all will align with what God wants you, wants you to do. So worship is not a, it's not just singing. Worship is a lifestyle, and a, a lifestyle which represents who God is. So Matthew fifteen eight to nine says that this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me. I mean, you can we can come here together, raise your hands. You can cry, you can do all sort of things, but if, if your heart is not in the right posture, that is not worship. And there is no gray, there's no gray areas in worship, which I'll get into. So, you either, you are, you, so, so as you come in, um, so make sure that your heart is right with God. You, I, I mean, I, I heard Kim Walker say this, that you'll always worship at the level of your revelation. So always we worship at the level of your revelation the more you spend time with God in the secret place, the more more of His revelations comes through you. The more understanding you understand who God is and His loving nature is, and the more you tend to live a life that actually displays who Jesus is. Um, worship, you know, sometimes worship we treat them like a, a bargain system. You know what? I come here, I'm going to put my my praise, and then I'm going to take something from God. And God, worship is not about a system. You don't come to worship because you want something. He blesses you because you have a good relationship with Him. And if you come to God because you want something, we, we need to start checking our hearts about it. Because when, um, I don't know who said this, but it could be Bill Johnson, because he's got a lot of amazing quotes. Um, he, said, he said that when you get into your prayer room, and when you, stop, when you begin to pray, I might be wrong, but I'm quoting it. Hopefully, I'm quoting it right. Is that you actually tend to start looking at inward, like I want this, I want this. God bless them. God bless them. that, this, this, whatever, right? But when you worship your first 15, 20 minutes, and then when you actually get into prayer, your prayer language starts to change because you start to pray what the Father in heaven wants you to pray, and 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 that's that's what we're designed to do, right? Um, so worship is where we tie our hearts into. Worship is always God-centered. If God is not in the center, everything everything actually breaks down. So make sure that God is actually in the center of your worship. When you look at Genesis 4, where Cain and Abel actually brings worship, uh, you can see that Cain did a lot of religious, religious act, whereas Abel actually did a lot more of a relationship act. And you can see how that broke down, how Cain became jealous of his brother, and all this kind of stuff that happened. How many guys ever sometimes get bored in what you do? I have. How many times you guys have felt bored? Like, I'm bored. You know what I mean? Like, I have. And I've gone through those phases. I was a couple of weeks ago too. Like, I'm like, man, this is like, you know, like work. I go to work, project management, you know, which I don't like much. But anyway, I come to another place, project management again. And then what happens is that when you feel in a state of boredom, I just wanted to read Revelations 4. It would change our perspective who God is. He would change the perspective how majesty he, or majestic he is, actually. His awesomeness. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to read here and there a little bit. So Revelation 4 is where John actually gets, goes up to heaven. And yada, yada, yada. And then he says, um, so he's in heaven now. And he says, at once I was in spirit. There before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone that sh- like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing on the good stuff. And then later he says there were four living creatures actually surrounding the throne room which had six wings and all eyes over them. And every time every time they saw the awesomeness of God, they cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They're doing this for eternity. They're doing this for, I think this is, I think this is what's happening. This is my version of Revelations 4. You know, you can have your own Revelations. But uh, it, for me, I feel like, if people don't like worshiping with the lights, you know, because I think there's gonna be amazing lights in heaven. And, and and the Bible says his voice sounded like thunder. Man, I, I can't imagine the subwoofers that's gonna happen there. <laughs> Man, I'm like, that's gonna be awesome. The speakers is gonna be like, we've never thought of what. It's gonna be glorious, and there's gonna be lights that we've never seen, and all the light shows, and I don't know. It, it's, my, it's, it's, it's what I'm imagining it could be, right? And then, in, and, and you've seen a lot of worship happening in the center, right? And I think that's where they got it from, because it's in the center, and there's a, there's a circle around them. It's all about, all about God. And then it says that every time the cherubim actually flew around him, they saw something they'd never seen before. Imagine this happening for eternity. They're seeing God's lovely kindness. They're loving the way that he expresses himself. The minute the angels see it, or the cherubim sees it, the saints see it. And they actually get up, they put their crowns down, and they get slain in the spirit, I think. By the time they get up, it's another thing. This is what I'm imagining. How can I be bored about a God that is so awesome? So he wants to be with me. The God of the heavens knows my name. The God that is being worshipped. I mean, he doesn't need our worship. He's been worshipped by all the angels and the planets and the moons and, and everything that is in it. So cares about me. When I'm down... He's there for me. All I have to say, Abba. And he's there. And this is the God we serve today. This is the God that is saying, come, I want to have a relationship with you. This is the God that says, I, I love you so much, and I'm going to hug you, and I'm going to kiss you. So we can never be bored of worship. And, um, yes. I forgot my train of thought. <laughs> so, so I just want to say that, you no. Know, when we live a life of worship, we'll never feel bored because we're always up to something because God is gonna ask you to do something and it's gonna be glorious and it's gonna be amazing. So what it actually means to live a life of worship. The worship is the deepest purpose of human existence to reflect who God is. So when you go back to the garden where God created Adam and Eve, uh, God, that was God's intended plan of worship where you have a continuous relationship with God uninterrupted, he comes down in the cool of the day, you know, he's like hugging them, talking to them, I have no idea what it looked like, probably like fist bumping them, I don't know. It might be really, really cool, right? I mean, he, that's his creation, and he loves to have that. When sin came, that relationship broke. So Adam and Eve was, actually, everybody knows the story, Adam and Eve was dro- driven away, they had to go somewhere else, and they had Cain and Abel. No reaction to, I mean, nowhere in the I don't know if there's in the Bible actually tells how Cain and Abel learned to worship. I'm assuming that Adam or Eve must have taught him. This is how, probably how you do worship. But when you look at that, it says that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground, whereas Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat potions. So Cain did very event-filled worship. Oh, I, I have to give this to God. I'm gonna go do this. But Abel was like... I love God and I want to do this and I want to give everything to God because I trust him, right? And I want to give everything to God. Our lifestyle of worship should be an experience-based worship. It is not an event-based worship. I, I think a kind priest a couple of weeks ago, he would actually spend, when you spend time with God, you have to be having a, con- continuous encounters with God. When you have continuous encounters with God, that's when you, have a, you yourself gets revived, you have a transformed mind, you have a renewed mind, you walk in that authority, and there's revival, and there's, there's good stuff that happens. So God is looking for us to live in experienced space of worship. The other thing is that, if you look at the Old Testament, when, when, when Moses actually took the Israelites from the Egypt and they were walking around, God gave them instructions how to actually build a temple, because were, now there is a, there's a time for worship. There was a place for worship. There was the outer courts. There was the inner courts. And then now there's the most holy of holies. All, all, all that stuff happened in the, in the Old Testament to actually showcase what a New Testament is going to look like. Because we are the temple of God now. The living God that I spoke about in Revelations 4, He lives in us today. The Holy Spirit lives in us today. And we, when we know that, when we actually walk in that understanding of, of who He is and the awesomeness of who He is, our relationship starts to begin to change. Because no more it's about like, you know, I'm going like, oh God, what's happening? It's all about knowing who you are and the authority that you carry, right? And, 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 and in 1 Peter 2, 5, it says that you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, ho- sorry, holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we are that temple today. And we live in that, that little power, as Pastor mentioned, we are the powerhouse of God in different places that we are. But the triune God lives in us. Glory? will always become something that you worship. The more you spend time with something, the more you're drawn to something, you'll always, will become something like that. <clears throat> For example, when actually, I think some of them have heard this before. So when I was growing up, my grade, when I was doing, I think probably grade five, grade six, I think. I used to, I love basketball, I still love basketball, yes. And then the one person that actually I liked a lot more is Michael Jordan. I still, I still believe he's the, he's the goat of NBA, it's just, it's just phenomenal what he has done in his career. When I was growing up, he was my kind of like an idol. I looked, I tried to find, at that time, there was no internet, there was no like phone I can swipe and get all his pictures and what he's done. So I used to go find the newspapers, I got his pictures, I, got his, I used to create collages, I actually stick and I'm like, oh man, look at this guy, all the moves that he does. I mean, even though I couldn't do half of, not I couldn't do any one of what he did, but I used to try. I used to get up at like four, four o'clock in the morning, go for practices, because I wanted to be like him. And I was so, Engrossed with this guy and the ability to produce basketball in such a high level, one day I was standing outside and I'm, I'm getting all the heat and my mom comes over and says, what are you doing? I was like, you know what? I, I feel I wanna look like Michael Torr. <laughs> you know, I, I wanna be there. I used to cut my hair because I wanted to be like him because I, at that time, I could probably say, I worshiped that, I worshiped him. So, so, so be careful who you worship you will tend to be like him. So what I would say is that the more you worship God, the more relationship you establish with God, the more time you spend in the secret place, the more you tend to become like him. And that's what we want to be, right? We want to reflect Jesus in the fullness of who he is. We want to reflect Jesus because he deserves the glory. He has given you already what we wanted. He paid the price. He has given us the love. Our response of worship is actually saying that I love you and he's worthy and just loving on him. And that's being, also living a lifestyle of worship will cost us something, will always cost us something. It could be your time, it could be your money, it could be, it could be something that will cost you. When I was actually in, <clears throat> in India, there wasn't much distractions, you know what I mean? Like There wasn't like a lot of TVs, there was like a phone at that time, so there wasn't a lot of distractions at that time. So either you are, are with the friends of people that you wanna worship and, and talk about God, you're at home. I lived in a home with the church, church people, so it was great. So you actually, I was living in that little bubble, right? When I came to Canada, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Like I, I can, now right now my phone, I can order my food. I don't have to even walk out of my home. I can be, I can be watching basketball and watching another TV show. It just become like crazy. And that you be, so I get distracted a lot actually. So God is asking, are you ready to sacrifice those times and spend time with me? And it, will, it, will, it is a costly affair to actually live a lifestyle of worship. When you look at King David, man after God, God's own heart, has done amazing things. Can you just imagine, Jesus, God is telling Jesus, son of, son of David. Man who knew what is to feel the heart of God? So, you know the story that in 2 Samuel 24, the, um, he went to count and how many people are there in Israel, and then you know, the, God said, you've done something that you know, I don't want you to do, and you know, there was going to be a plague coming in. So David said, you know, let's worship God. Let's build an altar and worship God. And, and, the, and So he went to a priest, and the priest said, you know what, take all, take everything, take the threshing, um, the field and the lambs and the goats, whatever you need. And David said, I don't want to offer to God something that doesn't cost me anything. And, and 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 it's hard right sometimes, right? I mean you want to relax a little bit, you know, watch stuff. But 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 it's sometimes God would ask you to do something. Probably it'll be your friend circle. God would say, hey Sybil, I I don't want you to be hanging around you know with, with Kyan. And he said, I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Kyan. And then and he would say, you know, I want you to come this side. It could be for something else, right? We have no idea what it, what it is. Probably finding that person that, and, and, and loving on that person. God said, rather than you go for the comfort of your friends, so I want you to come out and spend some time with somebody else who needs that. And that is a costly thing that you have to do sometimes, right? Because so you're now actually stepping away from what you think, that you're having a good time and, and, and going to do something that God wants you to do. And, and, and the more you do it, the more easy it starts to become. The more you start to listen to God, the more easy it becomes. So Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When we actually start to change the way we think of actually offering a sacrifice and being a sacrifice... And that is a key of actually living a lifestyle of worship. So actually you are being the sacrifice. That you are actually having that, that secret, intimate relationship with God and living a lifestyle that, focus, that actually showcases who, who He is. I mean, to, to live a life of worship is actually seeing who He is and responding of His goodness, actually. When you live a lifestyle of worship, when, you're, when your vertical relationship is amazing, your horizontal relationship starts. There's an effect on your horizontal relationship, too. Because you will start loving people more. You will start forgiving people. You will start spending time with them too. Because your vertical relationship will also affect how you do your horizontal relationship. And if you look at Hebrews 13, 15 to 16, it says it's amazing. It says that through him, that is through Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips and acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So that has two acts in it. One act is of your mouth. You're actually giving him praise, you're actually asking forgiveness when it needs to be asked forgiveness. And the second thing, it's acts of love. That you're actually going out and actually displaying what God wants you to do. There's a compassionate heart that God has for every one of us or to our friends and our circle and everything. So there is no gray area in worship. It's either black or it's white. Sometimes me and Kain and Roshan, you know, we talk about a lot of things. we like, you know, certain things could be, you know, it depends on your heart and your relationship with God. And we try, we try to figure out like, you know, what's right, what's wrong. But living a lifestyle of worship, it's either, it's either white or it's black. There is no middle ground in worship. There's no middle ground saying, I think, you know, I, I think I love him, but I think I can do this. There's nothing like that. You either yes or you know to worship. Because God is actually looking for authentic worship. And the way God has created you is authentic and he's looking at that worship. He's looking at me to worship how authentic I can be in my worship. This is something to do with worship leading. Um, and so I can never actually, I mean, I can never worship like somebody else. I, if I do, that means I'm copying something. I can't worship like Laura, how she leads. I can't worship like Jonathan Clark Dix or anybody of that matter. That means I'm actually bringing something else that's not authentic of me. And, and it's so important for God that you actually worship and live a lifestyle that is actually authentic to him. Because you are created different. There are, I can go on for this, but there is a sound in, in everybody that will respond. So, so when you raise that sound, God will listen to I'm saying God will listen to everything, but there is a sound that is inbuilt in you that actually gives glory to God, actually. Imagine this, right? You are... Um, it's part of some of the points and I forgot that actually. So we, we do corporate worship and it's great. It's amazing. We actually come in together, we declare who God is and we, I, I, we, and we, we get encouraged by each other, right? And that's what we do corporate worship. We're here together because we're gonna sing songs and we're gonna declare who God is, but at the same time, feed from each other because we need that at the end of the day. Imagine if you keep this relationship between you and God Monday to Saturday. You're fighting for that relationship with God. When I, when I was pursuing Michelle, I've done some things that, like, which I don't like to do, like things like eating idli and dosa and some of the Indian food, which is which I'm not fond of. But I used to do it because I was pursuing her. I was like, now I'm going to give 100% in this if I need her, right? And I used to. It was her birthday, and I wanted to surprise her. So, in the middle of the night, I drove, she lived in a, in, a, in, a, in a ladies hostel and we lived. Some of the guys were down turned some home. So, I, I, in the middle of the night, I woke up and I drove next to her, uh, wherever her room is. And then I said, Colin and I said, be should happy birthday. She's like, yeah, happy birthday. I said, would you want to come outside the next to your window? She said, yeah. And I was standing there and I was saying, happy birthday and I'm there. <laughs> and I used to be, I, I used to be like, I want to actually. So, so, when you pursue God for relationship, it's intention. You actually make time because you value him more than anything else. Because he is worthy of your time, of your time with him and your presence. Because he he really wants to spend time with you. So worship is not surface. It's actually, it's inside. It's what we express outside. It's the reflection of what's inside. Um, We have this running joke sometimes in the worship team. We would actually gather together to actually do some, some nights of worship. When I was when I started to lead worship, some of the, I had some checkpoints. You know, I had some checkpoints when I do worship, and I'm like, <clears throat> okay, I'm just being open here, okay? You <clears throat> so worship. I look at I look at so my job is 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 to actually listen to God and also look at what's happening so that there is a connection happening. so that I, I let go and do whatever I want to do. One of my checkpoints is I'll be looking is people raising their hands, and I'm like, oh, check. Then I' we looking? Is people crying? Oh, double stars right there! Sybil, <laughs> you nailed the point there. Good for you. Good for you. And 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 you know you, you you tend to pick up you know bad habits as you go along, and as you do things, you want to like you know you want to do the best that you can. But, little, but now the way how we do worship has changed. When we get into the, when we get through the back door there, this is what a hearts cry: is God, we have poured ourselves out here, and I pray these songs are not sung just for Sunday morning and go back but those songs will ring through your heart and your mind from monday to saturday when you're down that song should come up and say yes and amen when i when i when i feel like my my my, my i didn't get that promotion he is faithful till the end and that's a heart's cry now it's it's good we can do all this but if you don't live a life, life of worship outside just you've got to figure out how to marry this together from monday to sunday it's living a continuous relationship with the god and knowing who he is so I really wanna encourage you guys to start thinking about it. Like, you know what I mean? Am I spending enough time with God? Your time is, again, a sacrifice. It's hard. I am not kidding. It's really, really hard. It's really hard. But anyway, so what it looks like to live a, to live a lifestyle of worship. What are, the, what are the, some of the outcomes when you start to live a lifestyle of worship? One thing that is key is your character. The way you, the way you love somebody changes. The way you actually treat somebody changes. Because now your character has been affected by God's presence. And because now you're carrying him, there's a, there's a relationship with you. And he's saying, hey, you know, I, don't, I don't think what you did there is good. I want you to go apologize. I want you to start living a lifestyle that actually shows who Jesus is. So your character, um, I think, again, this is Bill Johnson, I think. Uh, it says, it is the anointing that will get you there. But it is a character that keeps you. And, and, and I know it, when we gather upstairs to worship, but this is one thing we talk a lot Having the right character is important, right? You, you, you can do this day in and day night. And if you, your heart's not set with God, you have a wrong, your heart has a wrong posture with God, it's all wrong. So living a lifestyle actually displays who he is. The other one is living a life of forgiveness. Be it straight. I mean, English is not my <clears throat> first language. So sometimes certain words that I would use for somebody could be hurtful. And then, and then that's when somebody, that, again, when somebody speaks back to me, it could hurt me too. But if I'm gonna live in that, in that bubble and say, oh, that kid's hurt me, I'm not gonna you know, talk to him anymore, and that's not living a lifestyle of worship. And, and, and the thing, we are big castified about it, actually spending time and asking God for forgiveness and asking the other person out too, and ask God and ask the person. So you're living a lifestyle of worship is actually living a lifestyle of forgiveness. The other thing is actually living a lifestyle of surrender. Actually surrendering who you are, surrendering your visions, your plans, all that you have under his feet. And actually asking him, not just to be the savior of her life, but also be the lordship of her life. Coming in and taking in every, every areas of, of life. And also part of living a lifestyle of worship is actually having a renewed mind. And it, it's a process, it doesn't happen overnight, it's a process actually. Actually, a quick story. I think I've shared this before too. When I got saved, um, one, of the, one of the things that actually God took away um, is that I, 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 used to, I used to drink, right? I mean, in, 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 drink a lot. And then I used to smoke too, okay? When God touched me, it, I, 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 the smoking went, just like that. The drinking went, just like that. It didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to me like, you know, what's happening? And when, when people say it's hard to quit and all this kind of stuff, but for me, it happened instantly. So I'm walking with God, and I'm, I'm going to my church on my little bike, and I'm, I'm, I'm riding back home, and then all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, you know what? I've done it. You know what I mean? I've said, and God, I could hear the still voice saying, Sybil, you have a long way to go. All I just, just helped you is to just take that physical thing off you, some of the bad habits are for you. Are you jealous? Like, yeah, I can be. Are, are you becoming like, you know, you want, I mean, are, do you have pride? Yeah, of course I had pride at that time. And he's like, these are the things, we're gonna work slowly, and it's a process, right? So if you're in, in this journey, there is no condemnation. Jesus is figuring out with you where you are and helping you to get where he wants you to be. So living every moment in the wonder of worship will change, will change your life every day. So God, the Father, made the heavens, the stars, the skies, everything to display the glory of who God is. And we were created to enjoy that with him. So my prayer today is that, that we live a lifestyle of worship knowing who he is, never getting bored of the Father that you serve and, 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 and displaying who Jesus is. Again, back to so this is some of my examples. So sometimes when we think that oh, this is like, and you know, I'm done with it, we always go back to this question of like, why we do, why we do what we do. And when you actually go back to the question of why do we do some things, it will change your heart. So that's all I have for today. So this is how you live a lifestyle of worship. I was gonna ask you to stand up and we're just gonna pray. I wish I had more. Don't. Yes. Twenty-two. Father, we just want to thank you so much for who you are in our life, study. We are called to live a lifestyle of worship. We are called to display Jesus in every aspect that we do. You have given it all for us already. You've actually paid the price. You, have, you, you love us so much. And Father, I pray that our lifestyle will actually be in awe of who you are. And I pray that from Monday to Saturday or Monday to Sunday, it will be a continuous relationship with you, Father Lord. We want to bless you and we want to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.